What's going on, Miles City? What's going on, family? Uh, I'm so excited to be here. I'm Red Bull ready uh, to preach the word of God. I want to first uh, thank my brother, your pastor, Travis, uh, and his beautiful wife, Jen, uh, for allowing me to come over here uh, and speak uh, this message today. And I have the pleasure of continuing this series you all started called Light. And I love this series. I love this idea uh, because it's a call to action, right? It is a calling for us to go into dark places and be something that's not there, to go into the world and fill this void, not with ourselves, but to go out and fill this void with Jesus Christ, that we are to go out and do more than just hear the word. It's a calling to do more than just hear the word, but to go out and do the word. More than just going to church, you know, on Sundays where you come and sit down and you relax and everybody sings to you. You put your hands up for a little seconds, then you go home. No, not that. Not going to church, but this series is a call to be the church in a world that needs it the most. In a world that's dying in darkness because the light refuses to enter the room. And since we carry, right, since we carry this light through Jesus Christ, we must challenge ourselves not to be selfish Christians who desire to keep Jesus for ourselves only on Sundays, only in our house groups, only in behind walls or behind closed doors. But this is a calling to be a selfless Christian who goes out into the world and says, you know what? I have to get up get out and do something in a world that needs light in order to see Jesus Christ for themselves. Can you imagine so many of our friends, so many of our family members, our neighbors, our co-workers have become comfortable with walking in darkness, functioning in darkness, maturing in darkness, and instead of us brightening them up when we get around, we choose to dim down in order to make them feel comfortable. When God never attended anyone to live in darkness. So, so today I want to talk from this title, Who Turned On the Light? That's what I want to talk about today. Who turned on the light? Because if we can be honest, at some point in our lives, we all lived in darkness. At some point in our lives, all of us had to adjust our eyesight to darkness, and we've learned how to survive in that darkness where we see what we want and we easily step over what we need until someone in our lives stepped in and turned on that light and showed us a better way by introducing us to Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and I want to pray first, and then we're going to dive into Mark chapter 5. That's where we're going to begin our word from, Mark chapter 5, right after this prayer. Let's pray and turn to God our Father. We thank you for this moment. Now I ask that you speak. Allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, come on, if you got your Bibles, if you got your smartphones, your dumb phones, come on, get them out. And I want you to go to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 1. And I'm going to read from the NIV version, but we understand that the truth is the truth. Whatever copy you have, let's dive in. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, and it reads like this. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes, where Jesus got out of the boat. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out the area. And a large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. And the herd of pigs, 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this into the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus, Jesus, leave this region. And Jesus, while getting on the boat, the man who had been possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. Watch this. But Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on your life. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Who turned on the light? Listen, today in our text, we see Jesus and the disciples getting off the boat. They've just encountered a storm while being obedient to the word of Jesus in chapter 4. They've encountered a storm where they almost lost their lives, but because Jesus was on the boat, when they thought they were sinking, they were able to turn to him for closure. And it's in that moment where the disciples have no idea where they're going, but Jesus does. They have no idea what the plan is, but Jesus does. And there's a saying that I have that if God brings you to a storm, he's already provided a way to bring you through the storm. But you have to learn to trust in his power. It's here in this text where we see Jesus and the disciples, they come out this storm and they end up on the outskirts of the city where they encounter this man who's living in tombs, this man who's living among the dead. The Bible doesn't tell us who he is. It doesn't tell us how long he was there. It doesn't tell us how he got there. But what we do know is when he sees Jesus, the condition that once almost killed him now could not hold him. That what kept this man in the tombs at one point in his life, what kept this man in darkness at one point in his life, when he saw Jesus had to let him go. And the man is drawn from this place of death to this place of life because light decided to show up in a dark situation. It's here in this text 
where we see this man coming out of darkness, coming out the tombs to encounter Jesus Christ for himself. And when I think about that moment in the text, I began to wonder this, how many lives could you change by simply showing up? Sometimes you don't always have to say much. You don't always need to have the answer. Sometimes your life is light enough for others to find their way to Jesus Christ. That how you live sometimes, how you represent God, how you respond to life, sometimes is the chapter of the Bible that people will read first before they ever read about Jesus Christ. And how you respond as light will determine how they live their lives when they see how bright you can shine in dark places. That sometimes this showing up and shining bright is all people need to find hope. Listen, because you are a child of God, and I want to be clear, and when you walk in the room, know you add something to it. I don't know who you are. You can be black, you can be white, you can be tall, you can be, you can be short, you can be big, you can be skinny, you can be smart, you may be dumb. It doesn't matter. But with Jesus Christ, know that every room that you walk into you add value to it. When you walk in the room, people should know who you serve, not by what you say, but they should know who you serve by how you live. That when you walk into work, when you walk into family gatherings, when you walk into your neighborhood block club, you may be going to Starbucks or you may be at your neighborhood restaurant. When you walk in the room, you should add something there or add something to the room because you're not just anybody, but you are light. You're a smile can work a room. A, a encouraging words should be able to work a room. A, a high, being hopeful, being joyful to shift the room because when you walk in, you add value because Jesus says, you're not just my child, but you are a light amongst the world. Jesus shows up on this sea. He shows up on the outskirts of this city. And before he begins speaking, this man sees Jesus and chooses to come out of this dark place. He chooses to come out of the tombs. And Mark says this man has an impure spirit. Day and night, because he has this spirit, he cuts himself. Day and night, he wounds and he hurts himself. And the scripture says oftentimes he's chained up, he's bound up hand to foot, but it could not contain him. Meaning this, the only intimacy this man had was with people who could not fix his problems. And because they did not understand him, because they did not understand his problems, instead of caring for him, they tried to control him. Instead of searching for a solution, they made him a problem. They used chains to bind him. And I believe that's a very sad place to be spiritually. Because the only time this man encounters people is when they want to hurt him. The only intimacy, the only encounter that he has with people is when they're trying to bind him up, when they're trying to chain him up. And the hurt that has been done is not just affecting him physically, but it's also affecting him spiritually. 
And I say that because I believe we all been there before, right? Because you were misunderstood. More people hurt you than tried to help you. The man didn't understand your past, so he mentally changed you up. Your parents didn't understand your pain, so they did things while you grew up to mentally chain you up. Your friends didn't understand your struggle, so they said things to mentally chain you up because you were misunderstood. And now the trauma of the chains, even though broken, has done some things in your spirit. There's some things on the inside that have been broken. You have been hurt because people who did not understand you, instead of trying to cure you, rather change you up and control you. Now you experience depression. Now you experience anxiety, thoughts of suicide. You don't feel adequate enough. You don't feel smart enough. You don't feel good enough. But God sent the light today to tell you this. This is not the place to give up. That this is not the place to throw in the towel, but this is the time to press in and get to the feet of Jesus. Who am I talking to? You need to not give up right now. You need to not go ahead and put your head in the sand, but you need to do like the Bible says and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's your word for the day. This is not the place to give up, but this is the place to press in because God is waiting on you. See, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't offer change. Jesus offers change. See, Jesus offers an encounter that causes your life to never be the same. Watch this. I got Bible to back me up. Mark says often he was chained, but he broke them. And I, I believe this, if you allow me to, leave, to, to use my spiritual imagination, uh, I, I believe this person or these people who come every other day, it says every other day someone came to bind him with chains. If I can be honest, I believe this person must have been someone he loved. Because even though it always ended up with this man in chains, he kept letting them get close. And many of us, if we can be honest, this is why we struggle with God, because every time we try to let people in, we end up getting the short end of the stick. Every time we try to let loved ones in, it seems as though we get hurt because everybody we've ever loved hurt us. So now we struggle loving God. Everybody we ever loved or everybody we ever let in embarrassed us. It, they, they, they disappointed us. They disrespected us. But can, 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 I slide, can I slide into your DM for a second and tell you this? Can I, can I make a promise to you right here? Jesus is different. That, that Jesus is not like anybody else you've ever encountered. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will not chain you up. But what he wants to do is change your life. He wants to change you from hurt to healing, from guilt to forgiveness, from sadness to joy, from anger to passion, from loneliness to intimacy. Jesus doesn't come to chain you up, but Jesus comes to set you free. The Bible says the sun sets free is free indeed. Then it promises us this, that he didn't just come for us to have life, but Jesus came that we may have life more abundantly. So the question is not, can God do it? The question is, will you come out of the darkness and let him? The text says, 
this man comes out of the tombs and he has an impure spirit. Meaning this, the isolation didn't make it better. But the isolation made the problem worse. See, this is what I've learned. I, 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 I love watching TV, and I've learned this about lions. Lions never attack the whole pack. If you ever go watch, go ahead and watch the Animal Channel. If you ever catch a, a, a lioness, because we know lions don't, don't, they don't hunt for their own, but a lioness, if you ever see the lioness go out and attack the pack, it never, or attack their prey, it never attacks the whole pack. It only attacks the one that's isolated. And when they get the one isolated, when they get the one separate from the pack, they become dinner. They become the meal for tonight because this is what it looks like. And this is how life works. This is how sin works. Sin never attacks the pack. It always attacks you when you're isolated. Sin likes to attack you when you're by yourself. Sin works best when you try to isolate yourself from others, when you try to live in darkness alone, trying to hide your struggles and fight by yourself. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said it like this in Life Together. He says, sin wants to be alone with people. It takes them away from the community. And the more lonely people become, the more destructive the power of sin over them becomes. See, the devil wants to isolate you to take you or to take over your life. That, that's why the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. The idea of isolation gives life to sin. But you have to be willing to say, you know what? I'm not settling in isolation. I'm not going to try to fix this problem on my own, but I'm going to come out of darkness, flawed and all, and I'm going to get to the feet of Jesus because where Jesus is is not change, but where Jesus is, there is change. Text says this man has the confidence because many of us don't. He has the confidence to come out the tombs and fall to the feet of Jesus. And he says, Lord, what do you want with me? See, I love his response because the man knew how unworthy he was. So we got some people in church, you know, they got, so, they got more degrees than a thermometer. They're so smart that they come in with their heads high. No type of humble mentality. But this man says, I know how wretched I am, how flawed I am. He falls to the knees of Jesus and says, hey, man, wh wh why are you even in my presence? What do you want with a sinner like me? I like his response because when you know how dark you are alone, you appreciate how bright you can be with Jesus Christ. That when you know how lost you were before you met Jesus, you appreciate Jesus not just saving you, but Jesus willing to find you where you were and encourage you to come into the light. Jesus looks at this man, and I love this, because he doesn't speak to this man's identity, but he speaks to this man's activity. He speaks to what's influencing this man to act out, to hurt himself, to cut himself, to live in darkness and isolation, not who he was, but the spirit that was controlling what he did. Jesus says to the impure spirits in the man, what is your name? 
Because every evil spirit, let's be clear, every evil spirit in your life controlling you has a name. You have to learn to call the evil spirit by its name. For some, it's abuse. For some, that impure spirit is neglect, it's abandonment. For some, it's pride, it's greed, it's addiction. For some, it's sex, it's porn, the desire to be loved. Jesus says to the evil spirit, what is your name? He says, what is the name of the spirit that's controlling your life? Because when we identify what it is, when God delivers us from it, now we know what we should not run back to. Listen, don't leave this message. Don't tune out. Don't cut this message off without identifying the spirits that are controlling you. For some, it may be pills. For some people, it may be problems. For others, it may be people. Whatever it is that's keeping you away from being the light, I challenge you to identify the spirit that's controlling your house, anger. What is the spirit that's controlling your life, lies, immorality? What is it? Addiction. Because when you identify it, then you're able to walk away from it. Jesus says, what is your name? You, 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 I like to say like this, you impure spirit because he didn't have a name yet. <laughs> Jesus says, what is your name? And it responds, my name is Legion, for there are many of us. And Jesus speaks and immediately, I love that. I love how the text says that. And immediately what controlled this man now was controlled by God. Immediately at the word of Jesus, what this man had struggled with for 30 years was changed in three seconds because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I believe the same thing from you. Whatever you've been struggling with, whatever you've been going through, whatever, whatever has been controlling your house, your marriage, your parenting. Listen, at the word of Jesus, everything can change. The question is, will you lay at his feet? Text says, afterwards, Jesus calls out the name. He finds out the name. He tells the, the spirits and he sends them into the pigs. And according to the, the text, the pigs, they run into the water and immediately die. And the whole city uproars. The whole city comes from the inside to the outskirts because they want to see who has not only killed our pigs or lost our money, but who has healed this man. They, they, they were curious who in the world has pulled up in our town and 2,000 pigs ran into the sea. Can you imagine whoever owned them pigs and how mad and how furious they were coming to Jesus and how upset and what they wanted to tell Jesus? I'm pretty sure they had some very peculiar words to give to Jesus that day. But when they get to Jesus, their minds are blown because the person that they marginalized, the person that they casted out, the person that they changed up was now in his right mind, dressed, sitting down at the feet of Jesus. The same man that was cutting himself, the same man that was in darkness, the same man that was living in tombs among the dead, now was in his right mind at the feet of Jesus, sitting down, clothed. 
See, not only would Jesus deliver you, but he also wants to restore you. He wants to restore everything you lost because you were controlled by spirits you could not handle. Jesus not only cleans this man up on the inside, but he also cleans the man up on the outside. The man is dressed, y'all. The same man that, according to the text, was running naked in the tombs, cutting himself, is now dressed in his right mind. What seemed crazy at one point now is under control at the feet of Jesus. Why? Why doesn't Jesus just deliver the man and let him go about his way? Why, 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 why does Jesus take the time to not only pour or deliver him, but restore him, clothe him on the outside, heal his wounds, and place him at his feet? Why? Because Jesus was not done with him. He needed this man to now be the light. Once the light was on, it was now time for the light to shine. Watch this. After the people in the text see the man, they beg Jesus. They say, man, you got to go. You didn't waste our money. You're over here playing with our, uh, you, you're in the tombs, speaking to the crazy man. You've healed the crazy man. You, you, you can't be in this town. There's just something spooky about you. you, you we, we can't control and contain you. They, they said, Jesus, you, man, you, you got to leave this town. And the man who was in the darkness, the man who was in the tombs, you know, he seen Jesus. He's like, y'all not about to leave me. I got my mind together now. My mind's been regulated. I, I know how to think for myself. I'm not going back to darkness. I'm not going back to the tombs. Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going too. When Jesus put his foot in the boat, man went to go with him, and Jesus looked at him and said, no. Now that the light is on, it's time for you to go back into those dark places and shine bright. I keep wanting to say the song, shine bright like a diamond. But he, he, he wants you to, to, to shine bright. He says, listen, don't go with us and try to shine where there's more light. Because that's what we do. We, we only want to shine bright on Sundays. We put our Sunday's best song and our favorite song comes on. And that's what he tries to do. Jesus says, no, no, don't follow all of us to shine bright. Go to the darkness where people need to see and there's where you shine. Go back out to your city and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Jesus says, now that I've turned on your light, this is your challenge to do the same for other people. Go home, go into your neighborhoods, go into your families and shine bright by telling them what I did for you. Tell them what Jesus did in your life. And so this man, he goes around town, if you read the scripture, telling people how Jesus saved his life. He goes around being light in dark places, leading others to the place he found grace. And this is what we call being the light. There's a story about two children who live with their father in a lighthouse. And every day the two children watch their father at night light this lamp for the boats passing by. One day the father left and a storm kept him from getting back in order to light the lamp on time. The oldest daughter said to the little brother, listen, daddy is not going to make it back in time. Uh, so we're going to light the light. The little brother said, how are we going to do that? We're too small. We're too young. We're not big enough. 
and we technically can't even reach the light. The little girl said, I got something for you. She ran and got the chair, and she tried to light the lamp, but it didn't work. She was too short. She ran and she grabbed a box. She set it on top of the chair. She tried to climb on the chair then, but she still couldn't reach it. She even went back downstairs and got the books, set the books on the table on the chair, but yet she still could not reach it. So the little brother had an idea. He moved the box out the way. He moved the books out the way. He stretched his body across the chair. He said, now, sister, stand on me and light the light. We know how the story went. The light, she was able to reach the light. The light came on. It lit up the water. The boats were able to see. But the problem was she had to hold it there. An hour went by and the little girl's arms started to get weak. Her arms started to get tired and she looked down at her brother. She said, brother, how are you feeling down there? I'm, I'm ready to give up. My arms are hurting. My, my legs are tired of standing. And just like a little brother, he said, how do you think it feels down here? It hurts. But as long as we can keep holding the light for father, when he gets back, we know there's going to be something in it for us. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but you needed to hear that message. It may hurt right now, but don't quit. Keep the light burning. I know that it's hard to stay as a believer sometimes. It's hard to keep your head above water. It's hard to stay in the right way or live the right way. But I want to challenge you to keep the light burning. Even when it hurts, keep the light burning. Even when family hurts you, keep the light burning. Even when you lose your job, keep the light burning. When family turns their back on you, keep the light burning. When bills are due, keep the light burning. When you're sick and the doctor gives you a bad note, keep the light burning. Why? Because you are called to be light in a dark place. Because when the father comes back, it will be all worth it. Keep the light burning because there are people in the world who need Jesus Christ. Once the light is turned on, your calling is to go out and bring light to dark places. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I believe this message was for you. Today, somewhere between this message, Jesus stepped in your light and turned the light on question now is, what are you going to do with it? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Don't just be turned on, the light turned on and not do nothing about it, but go into the world. I believe there's somebody here who needs this and you're saying, you know what? My light was turned on the day I'm ready for the next step. All you have to do is repeat after me and say, Master, this day I make you Lord. That this day, Jesus Christ, I make you my Savior. That I'm confessing with my mouth that you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And if you repeat it after me, the Bible says you now are saved. But maybe there's other people, you know, watching me online that's saying, you know what? I've, I've been saved. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I still find myself in tomb sometimes. I still find myself in dark places where I don't know what to do. Sometimes I allow these impure spirits to take control of my life and I don't know which way to go. May I remind you that the answer is at the feet of Jesus. 
And I want to pray for you. Eternal God, our Father, we ask you to step into this moment for those who are lost, for those who are seeking you. We ask that you meet them where they are. For those who are believing but still going through a storm, we ask that you remind them that you're still on their boat. That if they have faith in you, to take that first step out of darkness, you won't give them chains, but you'll give them change. Lord, we're expecting for you to work a miracle, and we believe it right now in the name of Jesus. It is so. Amen. If, you, if you're deciding to take the next step, simply text Mile City to 94,000, and somebody on staff will get with you.